Welcome into episode 43 of the Woopig Weekly Podcast in the home field studio, your source of all things Arkansas Razorbacks. We're back again this week. You know, your hosts, Caleb and Seth, episodes 43 is brought to you by Homefield. They're the home of premium vintage collegiate apparel, and you can go check them out today. Check out all their amazing hog apparel that they got. You know, they got several T-shirts, jackets, pullovers, quarter zips, whatever you want. You know, they've got an assortment of different Razorback logos that you can choose from. So go check them out today, and you can use promo code Variety Sports in all caps to receive 15% off that first order. Thanks to Variety Sports Network. So go check them out today and find your next favorite Razorback shirt to wear to – whatever Razorback event you decide to attend. So we'll jump right in here with a week two recap where Arkansas beat the Kent State Flashes 28-6 to in a game that I think, you know, surprised a lot of people with just really the score and Arkansas not really coming out like I think everybody wanted them to with a fast start. It was really a another struggle game where we could see the offensive line struggle a little bit and trying to open up holes and, you know, our guys hitting their blocking assignments. So just an overall, what did you think of this game, Seth? Yeah, pretty much the same thing you just said there. It, it didn't, we, we really struggled to kind of get on all cylinders on the offensive side of the ball. I thought, I thought the defense came out pretty well from the get go and set the tone. Um, defense played great. Didn't allow a touchdown, just allowed two field goals. Um, they, they did a really good job kind of bending but not breaking in certain scenarios. And then they they did have some really solid three and out stands of their own. Um, so defense played well. The offense was just, uh, I, I don't know, some I don't really know how to put my finger on exactly what the problem was. It even seemed like our passing game wasn't quite clicking. We, we had a couple of overthrown balls early on by KJ. He started out the game, I think, two for nine or two for seven. Um, ended up picking, picking up a little bit later on in the game and having a, a better completion percentage by the end of the game, but started out really weird. We couldn't run the ball, uh, kind of same song and dance as far as last week goes, as far as the offensive line, not getting a whole lot of push. Um, it didn't seem like we were able to open up many holes for the running backs. And we, later on in the game, I think you, you saw a little bit of some ground game there, but I, I think it was just because we were able to wear them down. Our, our depth kind of started to show through at the end of the game, but the first half was, very strange. It it didn't feel like we really had our offense out there very well. I'm not sure if they overlooked Kent State, just thought we were going to come out there and have our way with them. But you got to give them credit. Their defense played hard. Their offense definitely struggled, but their, their defense came out and played hard against us for sure. Yeah, that's very true. And, and it really makes you wonder is like, you know, the the missing piece of Rocket not playing, is he kind of a guy that kind of gels this whole offense together? And, you know, without him, there's a little bit of struggles. But even with him present last week um, against Western Carolina, you know, he wasn't able to get uh, a lot of running room. You know, I think a lot of this goes back to offensive line play. And, you know, I expect that to improve hopefully by the LSU game. I know with the Pittman-led team, he's not going to let bad offensive line play last for long. You know, I know he mentioned in his press conference that, you know, he needs to work on blocking with the wide receivers because we there was a couple instances where, you know, our wide receivers didn't block the best and we had guys kind of running into each other. And, you know, it, it's it was the second week of the season. So, you know, there's going to be continuous improvement all week long. But I think, you know, going into this next week and we'll – you know, cover more about it in the preview later on the show. But I think it's we're going to have to step up our game this week as, you know, we're taking on, you know, a bigger Division One opponent. So 
it's going to be, you know, a, a real true test before we hit the road to head down to LSU and take on the Tigers in Death Valley. So we'll recap last this week where KJ went 13 of 19 with a 68% completion percentage for 136 yards and had two TDs, 13 carries for 48 yards, averaging 3.7 yards per carry. This is a game where I think if you don't have KJ, you don't win this game as much as Arkansas struggled. You know, there he had that play where if it was anybody else or a younger quarterback on a mishandled snap, they just jump on it and make sure we don't lose the ball. Whereas KJ, with his experience, was able to pick up that ball and make a play and actually score a touchdown on a on the goal line. You know, whereas I think that's where you you, you benefit from having a guy like KJ. Yeah, he uh, he definitely kept his calm. He, you could tell he was uh, our our main leader out there. He, he kind of carried the team on his back with those thirteen carries for forty eight yards. I, I really think you saw Danny Enos kind of recognize that. Hey, the the pass game's kind of struggling. Guy, guys weren't getting open as well as they were against Western Carolina. And when they were getting open, I, like I said, the the first half KJ was actually overthrowing a few where the the receivers were having to you know kind of jump the top of the route balls were bouncing right off their fingertips if if they were even able to get a hand on it a couple of them were, were overthrown to the point where they couldn't even make a play on the ball so there was a couple of miscues early on I think letting KJ run kind of settled everything down and it did get us some some crucial first downs um, there was a couple of design third down quarterback draws you know third and four third and five scenarios where he was able to pick up the first just with his legs just because he's a tank <laughs> and uh, so I thought they did a good job kind of letting him get back to something he was comfortable with when another facet of his game just wasn't quite clicking yet. Um, and I think later on in the game, it actually helped him kind of settle back in and he started hitting some of those passes. So I totally agree with you. If KJ uh, wasn't able to kind of get his ground game going the way he was and and make some plays out of nothing, kind of like you're saying on that touchdown play where there was a, a botched snap that he was able to somehow recover that ball and throw a touchdown pass. But um, it would have been an even tougher game to win. I I think we still win this game, even if KJ wasn't in it for some reason, just be, because our defense really did play well. Um, I, I don't think you can discredit how well they played. So even though our offense looked bad, everybody's, you know, thinking the sky's falling and we, we played horrible, played horrible. We, the offense wasn't great. They didn't play horrible, though. And then the defense really played well. I mean, that's, that's really what you got to look at at this game. Don't overshadow the fact that the defense – played really well by the fact that the offense kind of struggled. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's just one of those things where, you know, it was a weird off game. You know, I think there were several teams throughout, you know, this week too that had some off games. Um, it was just weird in a sense. But, you know, another thing is, you know, I wonder when teams are going to learn that you can't just tackle KJ. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. We saw – several Kent State players attempt to tackle KJ or even make a tackle, but then they're the ones hurt. I, I remember specifically you had a safety come up and make a tackle on a quarterback draw or quarterback run play that KJ had, and KJ got up, and it was the DB that was hurt for Kent State. So, you know, I think that's one thing that's big in KJ's game is he, he he's a big guy that he doesn't go down easily, and if you make that risk to take him down, there's some not so, so great consequences for the other team. So, yeah, very true. He lays a blow on a lot of guys for sure. And then as we jump over to our rushing game, you know, not the best day for our rushing attack. Um, 
you know, as we're trying to find a guy that's going to, you know, step up and take Rocket's place until he's back ready to go. And in this game, you see A.J. Green get the most carries here for, with 15 for 82 yards, where he averaged five and a half yards per carry, which isn't terrible, and also had one reception for seven yards. So he's a guy that, you know, came in, had some production, but, you know, really a lot of that came in the second half, like after Seth mentioned, you know, we started to wear them, their guys down kind of situation. And then behind him, you had Rashad Dabinia, who got 10 carries for 34 yards, averaging 3.7 yards per carry and had one touchdown. He scored the one lone touchdown on the ground for Arkansas on a goal line play. And then you had Dominic Johnson have seven carries for eight yards, 1.1 yards per carry. So, you know, not the greatest game running, but overall, you know, I think we got the job done. You know, you got to mention, you know, Dominic Johnson, not the best stat line, but he had a crucial lead block on that Rashad Dominion touchdown that he was able to, essentially allow him to get in and score on that play. So, you know, what would you take off the the rushing game from this past Saturday? Well, I, my first thought is that A.J. Green is is kind of the clear number two behind Rocket. I know we've talked in previous episodes around you, you've got kind of a, a stable of running backs that you can go to depending on the scenario. But I, we, we've kind of said it all year long that A.J. probably is the most talented guy behind Rocket. Um, especially kind of in the pass catching scenario, only had one reception, but he is a threat in the pass catching back world, um, if that makes sense. So, anyways, 15 carries for 82 yards is, is a pretty solid game, especially considering the offensive line wasn't getting a whole lot for him early in the game. So, he, he had so he had a couple of you know 15, 20 yard carries later in the game that that helped that average for sure. But he did have a, have a very solid game. Um, out, outside of that, you know. Rashad had a pretty good game as well. Nothing crazy. Didn't get a ton of touches with just 10, but it did have that that goal line touch. And like you said, Dominic Johnson, the stat line's not great, but he's immeasurable on what he does for us. Super glad to have him back healthy. He's a big body, strong guy. And, I mean, he he was basically all you would want in a uh, fullback in that position there, blocking up a linebacker that was trying to fill a hole on the, on the goal line. So, um I was pleased at the at the end of the day. I was pleased with it. I think there's a lot of improvement that he's done, but I don't think it's the running backs that really have the improving to do. I feel like they're hitting the holes that they're supposed to be when they're there. There's just certain plays that that don't develop the way they should, just due to some offensive line deficiencies. I, I don't really know how else to put it other than that. Yeah, that's true. And I'm interested to see how they how they do this Saturday. You know, Pittman in his press conference, it was almost like he was kind of issuing a challenge to these guys where he said, you know, flat out that the, the running backs need to run harder. So I'm interested to see, you know, going through practice this week, what the our rushing attack looks like going into this next week. And, you know, like I said, we'll cover that more as we do our preview show uh, later on in this, this episode. But we'll jump over to our receiving where Isaac Tesla led all receivers with three receptions for 51 yards. You had Jaden Wilson, two receptions for 31 yards. Luke Haas, three receptions for 26 yards. And Andrew Armstrong had four receptions for 21 yards, but had the two receiving TDs from KJ. So I think this is another game where you see our receivers continuing to develop, you know, especially that chemistry with KJ. You know, I think, you know, one thing we learn is, Isaac Tesla is that guy that's going to be Mr. Dependable, you know, a very similar. He reminds me a lot of like a, a Drew Morgan type of player that a guy that you can always count on to get that crucial first down or that crucial, make a crucial play in a game. 
you know, I think that's big for Arkansas and the way he's developed. He's a guy that I think Arkansas really almost hit a home run on getting him out of the portal with not getting as many looks coming from a D3 school. So I think this could be, you know, this passing attack is just going to continue to get better as we go. Yeah, no doubt. I, I thought this law had a great game, only the three receptions, but two of those catches were like freak show, diving, highlight catch plays. Um, one was for a critical third down conversion on third and long. And then another one actually was kind of the same situation um, that he had kind of had to dive short. KJ had to throw a ball kind of short just to keep defensive backs from and be able to come over the top and make a play on it. So he had to kind of dive to the ground and almost make a shoelace tackle as he was laying on the ground. It was pretty wild that he was able to make that play. So he's not just able to get out there and, and get open and make plays um, when it's critical. He, he's able to make plays that, that a lot of other guys wouldn't. Um, I think you have to kind of credit him with that athletic ability and the, the nose for the ball, the way his hands are – He's got a lot of control, good ball skills with his hands. So I, I think he's uh, he's somebody that's going to continue to improve. I've been nothing but impressed the entire season so far with him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, and, you know, it seems like Armstrong's one of those guys KJ's looking for in the end zone. He had a great dime pass to him in the corner of the end zone late in the game where, you know, great route run. KJ put a ton of touch on it, just really great pass play so you know the chemistry between all these guys are going to continue to develop you know I think we're even seeing that with Luke Haas who had you know three receptions in this game compared to just one to two in that first game so I think as the season progresses as Haas picks up you know the offense a little bit more kind of adjusts to college speed you know kind of when everything clicks I think you know opposing teams are going to be in for you know a tough battle with trying to guard all these guys so you know it, it, it's going to be exciting to see this continue to develop. And you mentioned earlier, the defense can't, you can't, we can't praise this defense enough, especially the improvement we've seen just these first two games from last season, you know, defense was, you know, easily our weakest point last season where we struggled, you know, game in game out. Well, the defense stepped up in this game again, allowing, as we mentioned, only six points, two field goals. Well, they had added another interception in this game, which was another pick six by Antonio Greer who got this pick six on his first snap in his Razorback career, you know, batted up a pass and was able to grab it and run it back for a touchdown, which was big for this defense. I I think they're going to continue to be aggressive and go after the ball. You know, you know, they've been that bid don't break mentality mentality came up with big stops when you need them. You know, you, you really couldn't ask for more from the defense that we've seen this season. Yeah, that was such a big play, too, just momentum-wise, because we had just gone three and out, back-to-back possessions on offense, if I remember correctly. Um, and we just punted, and the, the very first play, pass play, you know, he was able to jump up kind of out of his linebacker position. He was It looked like he was blitzing and, and noticed the, the pass was about to come out and kind of stepped back, jumped up, and was able to just kind of grab the ball out of the air, like you said, off of a pass deflection, essentially, and uh, just run it right back into the end zone. It's awesome play. It really shifted the momentum because they had already scored a field goal at that point. We're up on us 3-0 and just stopped us again. And so I think that play really set the tone and it, it definitely rallied the defense even more. I think they got really amped up off that play. And uh, it, it really just kind of carried through the rest of the game on a defensive standpoint. So was really excited to see him get his first touchdown off interception like that. It was, it was kind of exciting to see. Really, really cool scenario. Um, and it, it definitely kick-started 
I think the the defense to really continue and have a great game the rest of that game. Yeah. And another guy, when you talk about defensive players, you know, he's at the top of the list on, you know, stat line this week yet again is Jaheim Thomas, the linebacker that we got out of Cincinnati. I think he's a guy that, you know, was just needing the perfect opportunity to come out and showcase his skill set. And I think he's doing that right here at Arkansas, where this week he had 12 total tackles, three solo tackles, one and a half sacks and two tackles for loss. He's come up big in this linebacker room that, you know, we lost a lot last year with uh, Drew Sanders, Bumper Pool, both gone, you know, both several year starters, you know, Bumper at Arkansas and then uh, Drew Sanders coming over from starting at Alabama. You know, you're having to replace a lot of production there on the linebacking room. And, you know, I think Jaheim Thomas has really come in and really bought into this system and this defense and is, you know, really hitting it out of the park. He's another one of those guys out of the portal that, I think is another home run for Arkansas that he's able to bring experience to a, a very young, you know, linebacking room with Chris Paul, Jordan Crook, you know, some of those guys. And then you've got Antonio Greer that, you know, didn't play last week, but was, but was be able to play this past week. And, you know, he's a graduate senior from UCF. So you got a com- great combination of experienced guys, but also young, talented linebackers as well. And then when you, you keep looking down this, Stat line, you got Jaden Johnson, eight tackles, three solo, and a half tackle for loss. Chris Paul Jr., five total tackles, three solo, one sack, and one tackle for loss. Cam Ball had four total tackles, one solo. And Tarn Carter had four tackles, total tackles, and a half a tackle for loss. But when you another linebacker that you can't, you know, help but rave about is Chris Paul Jr. He had a crucial stop in this game where, you know, goal line play for Arkansas Kent State was knocking on the door trying to score and you know Chris Paul was able to just break through the line and get in that backfield and you know hit them for a loss so I think we're seeing him develop you know and that stat line for him was in just a half as he was suspended the first half due to targeting calling game one so I think you see him you know really learning and has made that leap from year one to year two and I think it's just going to continue to get better. So, you know, this defense has been, you know, a spotlight for Arkansas this season so far. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's it's a huge turnaround from last year. I think last year our, our run defense was was decent off and on with the linebackers that we had. Um, Drew Sanders obviously had some phenomenal plays last year. We just got burnt in the deep balls. But you're seeing this defense now, they're able to get pressure on quarterbacks a little bit, especially in this game. They did a, they had improvements compared to game one in my opinion, um, but they're able to get pressure and get a couple of sacks um, just due to the coverage in the back end. We didn't have that last year. You weren't able to get covered sacks for the quarterback. You just didn't have anywhere to go. Um, th- there was a uh, intentional grounding, I think, in this game even that we were able to force. So a lot of good things that came out of this game from a defensive line and a, a secondary standpoint. I-, I saw a lot of improvement across the board. Trajan Jeffcoat was even named co-defensive lineman of the week. Uh, with some of his stellar play. Um, so it's just a overall really solid game for the defense. I think they they kind of nailed down a couple of issues that they had from game one. So you're already seeing some of the adjustments take place and uh, improvements being made week to week. So that's really all you can ask for. And some of these guys are really stepping up and making huge plays already. Like you said, Chris Paul had a critical stop. There was three other plays before that. I think that was a fourth down play 
on the goal line. I think they had gotten down to the three or four yard line and we had three straight stuffs on some runs. So defensive line really stepped up on that goal line stand. And that's, that's really all you can ask for out of your defense. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And, and another name that we haven't mentioned a ton is Landon Jackson, but he's doing a lot of things that not in necessarily putting up stats, but he's really affecting, you know, the opposing teams, you know, offensive line, how they're having to block and rushing, you know, the passer. And I think it's a matter of time till you start seeing him climb up that stat line. You know, he, he's getting the pressure. He's getting there. You know, he's getting a combination of, you know, assisting tackles. But, you know, I, I think it's those intangible things where he's just affecting the game where you're seeing him have success this year. And I think it's a matter of time till, like we said, he, he just starts getting those stats. And so – I think we see continue, we'll continue to see this defense improve. I've loved what Travis Williams has come in and done with that more aggressive approach where we've been able to do that with the talent that we've had in the secondary, being able to uh, hold their own. Blitz a little bit more. Yeah. And it's one of those things where we will note that Dwight McLaughlin only played one snap in this game due to turf toe. He, I think Pittman said happened on Thursday of last week. So he 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 played that first snap, said that he couldn't really push off that foot. So, you know, we that he went with Keon Stewart, the transfer from TCU. So he should be back this week. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in our preview show. And as we round out this game recap on special teams, Isaiah Centena had one punt return for eight yards and one kick return for 17. Again, it feels like to me it's just a matter of time until you see him break one is, you know, these plays, he's got the speed, he's electric, and, you know, once he's able to hit that edge or get that one crucial block, I think he's going to, you know, take one to the house one of these days before the season's over. Yeah, I would bet money on it. (laughs) And so as we wrap up our week two recap, we're going to talk about other results around the SEC where Wake Forest beat Vanderbilt 36-20. to You had Georgia beat Ball State 45 to 3. Kentucky defeats Eastern Carolina or Eastern Kentucky 28 to 17. Ole Miss beats Tulane 37-20. This was a you know highly anticipated game, but you know, Tulane was out without their starting quarterback, so not necessarily able full strength to you know take on Ole Miss. You had Miami beating Texas AM 48 to 33. Tennessee beating Austin Peavy 30-13, Missouri beating Middle Tennessee State 23-19, LSU beating Grambling 72-10, Florida beating McNeese 49-7, Mississippi State taking down Arizona 31-24, South Carolina beating Furman 47-21, Auburn beats Cal in a close match 14-10, and I think the biggest surprise to everybody in Week 2 Texas kind of shocks the world and beats Alabama 34 to 24, where it seemed like everything went right for Texas and Alabama, you know, things didn't go their way. They had issues blocking they had their, their quarterback. I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if they went back to the drawing board and maybe gave somebody else some reps at quarterback with Milrose got the speed on the, and, and the rushing, but he's not the most accurate passer. I know watching this game, there were several passes that if he would have been a little bit more accurate, Alabama might still win this game or it's at least a touchdown closer. So crazy week for the SEC. You know, you got any thoughts there, Seth? Yeah, nothing too wild. Um, I thought Mississippi State beating Arizona was a pretty good win for them. Uh, That was one game I was 
kind of paying attention to because Arizona is not horrible. So it ended up being a close game, but they were able to pull out a win. I thought that was a pretty good win early on in the year for them. Um, a lot of the teams, you know, kind of beating up on some of those smaller schools, getting those those tune-up games. Obviously, Miami beating Texas A&M is kind of a question mark because Miami was unranked, and I think Texas A&M was 21 or 18, something, something like that, in the high teens, low 20s if I remember correctly, before this game. So already seeing a little bit of uh, shakiness out of Texas A&M. I think we that they're definitely that question mark team in the SEC this year with uh, Petrino being our offensive coordinator and Jimbo's almost kind of been on the hot seat uh, the last couple of years just with the, the lack of success with how much they're paying him and how many good recruits they have. So I'll be curious to kind of see how Texas A&M bounces back from that game. Um, and then obviously Texas beating Alabama was an insane game. Um, like you said, though, I could see the case being made for Buckner to maybe come in and, and get some snaps over Melrose just to see if the passing game would ignite a little bit. I think that was the the key struggle there. They couldn't run the ball very well. Texas has a phenomenal run defense, and I expected that to be a struggle. And so I thought if if they were going to win, Melrose was going to have to hit some of those deep balls, and he just didn't. Anytime they'd have a, a receiver streaking down the field open on a go route or something, it was overthrown by 10 yards. I mean, it wasn't even close on half those plays. He made some good throws. There, there was a really nice uh, about 42-yard touchdown pass that was a nice ball, but there was two, maybe three touchdown balls that should have been completed that were drastic overthrows. And you uh, you, you don't make a very long Obama if you, you keep doing that. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. And and just to help you out there, so Texas A&M was ranked 23rd. After that, they drop out of the rankings this week where Miami basically takes their spot at 22. You know, A&M will most likely rebound this week as they take on UL, Louisiana Monroe this week, you know, before, you know, we'll see them in two weeks' time as um, – We'll go to LSU and then meet up with them in Jerry's world down in Dallas. So, you know, that's always a heavily, you know, close game between the two schools. But, you know, who knows? You know, it's it's too early to tell right now. So, with that, we'll take a quick Richard. break here. And then we'll be back with some basketball news. And as we'll get ready to do our week three preview versus BYU. You know what I like? I like to be comfortable. I also love representing my favorite sports teams. And in the clutch, I am able to have the best of both worlds. In the clutch apparel is your one-stop shop for all things sports. They have officially licensed gear from all your favorite teams and players from the NHL, MLB, NFL, and more. They have sports classic tees from yesteryear and beyond. Check out their full website in the link down below. When you enter the promo code Variety Sports, you get 10% off everything site-wide. Feel comfortable with your sports apparel and go over to their website now at endtheclutch.com. And don't forget to use our code Variety Sports to get 10% off. All right, we are back now where surprisingly, you know, in this time of the year, we have some basketball news for recruiting purposes here as Arkansas yesterday received a big commitment for next year's class as they received a commitment from 2024 four-star small forward Jalen Shelley out of Branson, Missouri. He's per on three ranked 50th nationally, the 17th small forward in the country and third best player in Missouri per rivals. He's ranked 35th nationally and the 14th best player at his position so you know it's another one of those things Muskets his guy you know I think this is another you know 
shows that he is a fantastic recruiter, you know, bringing in this, these, this top tier talent to Arkansas, you know, it's like that saying, you know, it easily applies to Muss here. He, he doesn't rebuild. He just reloads year in and year out, whether it be, you know, a combination of portal guys and these, you know, young talents that's going to come in and play one to two years before heading off to the league. Yeah, for sure. It's always good to pick up four and five star guys. Um, he's obviously a phenomenal recruiter out of the transfer portal, but you, you stack that up with guys coming out of high school that are ranked this high nationally. Um, it's He's building the foundation for a dynasty type program. We've had success these last few years, and I think it's only going to improve and prolong. So as long as we can keep Muss on the hill, I think we're going to be in great shape. All I got to say is for your check, open up that checkbook, you know, do what it takes. And so we'll jump down here to soccer where our, where Seth will cover some Arkansas matchups that we had and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, man. Uh, so Arkansas took on number nine Clemson on the seventh, unfortunately fell in this match one to zero. Um, just couldn't, couldn't get started early. Like we've kind of seen these last few weeks. So um, Arkansas did have four total saves on the, on the match, so it definitely could have been a worse game. However, um, kept it close. It's definitely a tough matchup with number nine, Clemson. When we had 14 total shots in this game, obviously none of those finding their goal. Um, we'll take on Tennessee on September 15th at 6 p.m., and then Grand Canyon after that on September 17th at 1 p.m. So a couple more matches coming your way for Arkansas soccer. Yeah, that's very true. I think it's just a matter of time till you know, they're going to go through this little rough patch, but I think Kobe Hill will have this team ready for, you know, conference play as he always has year in and year out these past few years, taking them to the NCAA tournament for soccer. So, you know, I, I, I look to see continued success from him there. And we'll jump over to Arkansas volleyball where Arkansas had a couple of matches over this past weekend where they beat College of Charleston three to zero. And they beat Western Kentucky three sets to two. And then they beat Troy three sets to one. So, you know, after that that loss to Wisconsin, this this team getting back on track and getting rolling again. You know, we had Courtney Jackson named SEC co-defense of the player of the week, you know, big time, you know, award for her. You know, it seems like that defensive player of the week's going around different sports. You know, you had Treasure on Jeff Coat with football, you know, Courtney Jackson with volleyball. So I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of production out of the state of Arkansas within different sports here. So that, that that's good for this volleyball team as they look to keep, you know, their season rolling down the tracks here. Arkansas baseball news, you got fall ball starting up. You know, you're going to have your first inner squad, inner squad scrimmage coming up, and it's exciting. Everybody's getting ready to see what this, you know, basically new team's going to look like after we had several guys go to the major leagues and then go into the, the farming system there. So, you know, that's going to be open to the public. So if you got the time, get out there and catch some Arkansas fall ball and kind of get a preview of what we could see in the spring for Dave Van Horn and these Diamond Hogs. And then that takes us to our preview of the week where we've got Arkansas football taking on BYU uh, this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. So we're going under the lights for this one. And this is a team where Arkansas traveled to Provo, Utah, and got the win last year pretty handily against BYU. And so they're going to come to the heel here where Arkansas opens up as an eight-point favorite with an over-under of 47-and-a-half. You know, this is a BYU team that averages 27-and-a-half points per game where they scored 14 points in their first game and then 41 in game two. They're averaging a total of 325-and-a-half and total yards per game. 
246.5 of that passing, 79 rushing, but they're also allowing 265.5 yards per game, 204.5 passing, and 61 rushing. So this will be an interesting game to see what works better for Arkansas in this game. Clearly, they're allowing more passing yards than they are uh, rushing, and, you know, KJ's been able to show that he can – you know, spread the ball around and, you know, get the deep ball. So it'll be interesting to see. But I I also expect Sam Pittman to put an emphasis on getting the run established in this game as that's something we've struggled with. So I think that's something that you might see early, him kind of really trying to force that run and get, get that going in this game. Yeah, I completely agree with that take. I, I think this is going to be one of the games where you – you may see us kind of take what the defense gives a little bit more than we did in game one and two, where we really were, you know, in those first few drives, kind of assert our will and, and force the run game to get going. Um, I, I think we're still going to try to be a run heavy offense. Um, but if, if things start to bottle up, I'm out. I wouldn't be surprised to watch uh, Danny and us kind of open up the playbook in the air raid kind of, and uh, try to try to spread things back out and, and get there. Uh, safeties and linebackers to maybe back off the line just a touch and then circle back to the run game maybe later in the game. I, I I would love to see us come out and really pound the ball early and have success, but I don't want to see us come out and, and just kind of have a uh, beat a dead horse mentality where you're just trying to run the ball so much just to establish a run that you shoot yourself in the foot and, and don't get your offense going early enough and make this a closer game than it might should be. So I'll be curious to see kind of the approach on if we start fast on the run or if we start out kind of passing the ball to try to get them on their heels and then follow that up with kind of more of a rushing attack in the, the second quarter and, and throughout the rest of the game. I'll be curious to kind of see the, the approach there. Yeah, and, uh, and another note for this game, you know, Rocket will be out this game as well. You know, Pittman came out and said that he's still dealing with a little bit of swelling in that knee. So as they get that, you know, cleared up, you know, like having him sit out, hopefully he'll be ready for LSU next week. Um, but we don't want to look too far ahead there with that. But we'll break down some key players for BYU. And that all starts with their quarterback, Keaton Slovis. If that name sounds familiar, he's been around for – you know, several seasons in college football already, you know, this being his fifth year, you know, played three seasons at USC and one season at Pitt last year, he, but he is a 6'3", 250-pound quarterback, where he, this season so far, he's 42 out of 65 for a 64.6 completion percentage. He's thrown for 493 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, had six carries for eight yards and three touchdowns. So he seems like a guy that they – you know, go to around the goal line, you know, to, you know, KJ's, uh, KJ similar approach with, you know, he's a bigger guy that, you know, use him around the goal line to score some touchdowns. As I mentioned, he played three seasons at USC, one season at Pitt. At USC, he threw for a total of 7,576 yards, 58 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. So for every, you know, two to one ratio there, and he had a, 67.9% completion rate at USC. And then last year at Pitt, he had 2,397 yards, 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions, almost one-to-one -one there, and a 58.4 completion percentage. So look at these numbers, his stats from these first two games of the year. You know, what are you expecting out of Keaton Slovis this, this game? I think he's got potential to be probably the toughest quarterback we've seen yet. Um, however, I think he he's – got a tendency to probably try to fit a, a ball in a 
tight spot. And I think that's something our defense could take advantage of. We've already shown that we've got that capability with a couple of players, especially like Dwight McLaughlin, being able to pick off a ball that really wasn't even thrown his way, you know, being able to be at the right place, right time. Um, Greer getting in on one, being able to jump up and kind of swat a ball down and, and end up taking it to the house. So there, there's definitely potential, just like the first two games, on causing some turnovers and winning the turnover margin. I think that's one thing we've done a great job of. We didn't speak to it much yet, but we actually are in the – I think we're top five in the country on turnover margin. Um, so that's really good to see that we're controlling the ball well and the defense is out there forcing turnovers. That's how you win ball games. Um, so I, I would really kind of expect us to try to come after this guy just like we have week one and week two, see if we can get a couple of uh, quick interceptions, fumbles, things like that, and uh, really put this game away early if we can. I know that's kind of what you want to do every week, you know, <laughs> but uh, I think there's definitely an opportunity to, to get this guy rattled and force some errant throws that we might could take advantage of. Yeah, if you to me, if you were to look at his last season at Pitt last year, he seemed to really struggle with his completion percentage and really that turnover margin where, you know, he threw 10 TDs last year, but also had nine interceptions on top of that. So, you know, not the best ratio there. So I think he's a guy that if we can get some pressure on him, kind of get him rattled, as you said, that you could see him kind of get a little sloppy with his throws and really, you know, benefit Arkansas, you know, on a guy lining up – in the backfield with him running back LJ Martin. He's 6'2-205. He is a freshman this season so far. He's had 22 carries for 118 yards. You know, no touchdowns. So a guy that, you know, is probably really trying to figure out his way around, you know, getting adjusted to the college game, as we mentioned, with a couple of Arkansas players. And their leading receiver is actually their tight end, Isaac Rex. He's 6'6-255. On the season, he's had six receptions for 127 yards and one touchdown. So he 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 seems like he's clearly their really go-to guy as far as kind of like we mentioned our Isaac Tesla. He's you know seems like their go-to guy on big plays, big receptions, and you know a guy that Slovis seems to count on. And then on the flip side, of that you have Chase Roberts, six four two ten with 11 receptions, 126 yards and one touchdown. So another guy that seems to be his top target on the outside there. So I think this is really where we're going to see a test for our secondary to really see how good they are and the improvements we've made from last year. You know, as we mentioned, Dwight McLaughlin was out last week, but Sam Pittman says he expects him to return this week, you know, which will be big for this defense, kind of having that leader in the secondary back. But, you know, I think we've got guys that can really challenge these wide receivers. So I'll be interested to see how our defense, you know, reacts to, a little bit tougher, you know, receiving core that we might see in, you know, this third game of the year. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, the, the biggest thing I'll be watching for is how we how we match up with guys that are big. Um, these, these are probably the first, you know, tight ends that are 6'6". Six, six. I mean, that's that's big body guys, 6'4 um, wide receivers. So that's, that's SEC size, if you will. So I'll be kind of watching to see how well we cover guys of that size. So that's really going to be the first true showing of how we're going to look against SEC opponents that are also that big at most positions. I mean, you got a 6'2 running back, a 6'6 tight end, and a 6'4 wide receiver. So there's some pretty big guys on the offense and not counting their 6'3 quarterback. So it's going to, to me, feel a little bit more of like a uh, an SEC-style matchup just from the, the size of the guys out there. I think we match up well um, with that size, and we've got size of our own too, you know. Landon Jackson's 6'4", if I remember correctly. There's, there's some big guys out there also. So 
I think this will be a little bit better showing for the defense to really prove that, hey, we're we're not just a fluke team that's got five, six turnovers on the year so far just because we played poor opponents. I think this will be a, a good spot for us to come out and show that, hey, we can get turnovers against anybody. Um, and that's really going to be crucial for us to win some of the games down the stretch of the year, is being able to win that turnover margin week in and week out. So I think this is a great game to kind of keep that ball rolling, if that makes sense. So that, that's going to be what I'm watching for the most. Yeah, I agree there. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, we're going to see Travis Williams maybe try to dial up some pressure. You know, we'll have that secondary ready to go. As as you know, they're going to be one of the teams, like we mentioned, that we're going to see, you know, more SEC-style style wide receivers in terms of size. And so I'll be interested to see that. And then we, as we kind of talked about last week, the split we see for carries this week for as we're trying to get that running in going, you know, as we're working on trying to get these blocking summits better, you know, we mentioned last week, we thought we'd see more of a split between Dominion and green. And we kind of did where it was 15 to 10, but I think this week based on, you know, stats from last week that I think you may see a more uptick in, you know, carries for green as he had a more efficient day, but you can't rule out Dominion, you know, it's really a game of who has the hot hand. If if Dominion comes out and, you know, just shows that he can, you know, hit the holes better this game than expect him to get more carries. But if you're looking at a sheer talent standpoint, I think green's the way to go right now while we're waiting on KJ to get healthy. Um, a, a little bit smaller back then, Rocket, but, you know, a guy that has the speed. So I'll be interested to see. And I think you'll see – Johnson, you know, with some crucial probably lead blocking, you know, that might be something we run him more fullback style like we did, you know, this past weekend around the goal line and use him in that type of role. Or we could see him, you know, be the ball carrier on the goal line since he is a bigger back. I'm interested to see what kind of split we'll see this week. Yeah, same here for sure. And then we'll be interested to see, you know, we see these guys here, you know, as we mentioned a team that, you know, allows 204 yards passing on defense. So this could be really where we see KJ get aggressive with that passing attack we have. Does he, you know, air out some deep balls and he pick apart this defense? You know, they're allowing more passing yards than they are rushing yards. So if it's an instance where we can't get our rushing game going, do we see Danny Nels, like you said, open up that playbook, go to the passing game and really – having KJ in a sense show he's the leader on this team and go out there and get some production for Arkansas. I I think from a coaching perspective, you just got to take what the defense gives you. If they're coming up and they're loading the box with six, seven, eight, nine guys, every play, throw it all over them. If it's not that, that way, and you know, they've got a lot of two, three safety deep kind of looks, then, you know, you go ahead and try to run where you can. You just take what the defense gives you and try to execute as best you can on each scenario. Yeah. And then I think like we mentioned, you know, I think Arkansas defense is playing lights out and I think that they're going to come up big in this game, you know, especially if we're struggling offensively like we have last week, you know, they're going to have to have have that bend don't break mentality again. And, you know, as we mentioned through two games, this Arkansas defense has five interceptions, two of those being pick sixes and one forced fumble. So just to give you a comparison, they had nine interceptions on the season last year, so we're over halfway there already within two games. They had a few more forced fumbles last season with 13, but I think that will just come with time as, you know, some of these guys are getting accustomed to the system and, you know, getting in the 
football shape that getting, you know, their, their legs underneath them, you know, and as things start cooling down, you know, you'll have more energy as you're not having to expand a lot of it with it being warm temperatures, especially as being a night game. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what we do as the season goes on, but I expect we even tie that mark from last season as far as interceptions or even beat it easily. You know, I'm going to be, you know, my spotlight this week I'm going to be watching Jaheim Thomas again to see what he does. Does he lead this defense tackles again? Really kind of gets that pressure out there. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. He's been great to watch this year. Seems like they call his play every other down on defense. He's, he's always in the right spot, making great reads. Um, just making sure he's in position to make a play when the play comes his way. So been nothing but pleased with him. I think you've seen some some definite improvement out of Trajan Jeffcoat from week one to week two. I know week one, you didn't really hear his name called at all. He wasn't in on a lot of plays. Um, I, I don't think he was playing poorly by any stretch. I just think they were kind of running away from him on a lot of their sets. And uh, he, he definitely got more involved and blew up a lot of plays. Wasn't always the one making the tackle, but he was he was blowing up the line and forcing, you know, running backs to kind of cut out of their their lane that they wanted to be in. Somebody else would come in and clean up. And so I, I thought he had a great game week two, really bounced back and, and really made his presence known. So he's another player I'm going to be watching again, see if he can kind of come in and, and really light things up. Having him and Landon Jackson both have good games at the same time, it was fun to watch in, in game two against Kent State. They both, I thought, played very well. Yeah, and so so there you have it, folks. That's our preview for this week's game. I'm, you know, I expect this game to be a lot closer with the spread only being eight. You know, this will be a good test for Arkansas as we're getting ready for LSU next week. You know, just a heads up, time has been announced for the game. It's going to be at 6 o'clock on ESPN, so we're going primetime in Death Valley, you know, which we did it two years ago. We went down and, you know, walked off with a Cam Little field goal, so, you know, this team could be – I'm interested to see really what this LSU team is going to do. You know, they had a big win last week versus Grambling, 72-10, to 10, but it's Grambling. You know, it's another small school. They really struggled against Florida State, uh, you know, another Power 5 school. You know, and again, I'm not thoroughly impressed with Jaden Daniels. To me, he's got the, the, the running ability, but not necessarily the greatest passer. You know, I think as comparisons with KJ, you know, KJ's got a lot better touch on the ball. You know, maybe not necessarily as fast, but I think an overall comparable runner just in a more physical sense that he may not have that breakaway speed that Jane Daniels does, but, you know, step in front of KJ and see what happens. You know, we've two weeks in, we've seen guys get hurt, guys get up slow. Not, not, not a train I want to get in front of. No, his yards after contact are probably through the roof. That's something I need to look up because I'm sure they're crazy. <laughs> so with that, we'll we'll preview some upcoming events and we'll wrap up here as Arkansas. We mentioned earlier Arkansas soccer is going to Tennessee on the 15th at 6 p.m. Arkansas swimming and diving is having an inter-squad meet on September 15th at 3 p.m. Arkansas volleyball will be at Buffalo on September 15th at 12 p.m. And they'll turn right around the same day at 7 p.m. and take on St. John's. And then as we just got finished previewing, Arkansas football is taking on BYU at 6.30 on the hill, you know, under the lights, as we said, you know, first night game in Fayetteville. You know, Arkansas volleyball on Sunday, on that day, earlier that day will be taking on Bryant at 1 o'clock. And then Arkansas soccer is going to round out the weekend on Sunday, September 17th at 1 p.m. So, you know, as always, don't forget to continue to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and any other place you find your podcasts. 
And, you know, thank you for listening to today's episode of Whoopi Weekly, and we'll be right back here next week.